Hello everyone, my name is August Tuckabee, and this is the Radio Worldview Podcast. The Radio Worldview Podcast exists to teach students to live and think with a biblical worldview so that they can serve Christ and lead the culture. Tune in every week for perspectives on the arts, great books, our cultural moment, and how to apply a Christian worldview to every aspect of reality. Thanks for joining us today. Hey everyone, if you missed our last episode, this is going to be part two of a longer interview with Mark Bertrand, who's visiting Worldview at the Abbey this week. We shift gears and topic pretty radically here, and it's a long enough segment that I thought it could be its own episode. So with that, here's part two of the interview with J. Mark Bertrand. So getting into segment three for the evening, I wanted to talk for just a little bit about you kind of as a pastor, because uh, I think you're one of, if not the only worldview academy faculty member who's a full-time pastor hmm. that i know of i yeah. think everybody else is mainly in education christian I, education yeah i guess that's right yeah i know so you have a leg up on all of us in that area <laughs> um but i, I kind of wanted to ask you just what it's been like this year with regard to um being a pastor in sioux falls and i mean because you you kind of became a pastor through COVID. And is that right? Or maybe it was a little bit before that? No, I was ordained in 2017. Okay. So, yeah, a little bit before. And were you a full-time, though, all the way up to that point? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. So, but you've seen, you've been a pastor for the whole gamut of that. Mm -hmm. Um, You've, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Kind of what's it been like kind of walking through that? Um, What has it been? Are are there some themes um, as we start to look into kind of the, the winter time and it just seems like this thing seems like it's going to go away really soon, and then it kind of comes back up. Sure. It just seems like to me, it feels very up in the air. So I guess my question is, like, as a pastor, what does it look like, or what has it looked like to care well for your congregation, for those that are listening, kind of going into this next season? You know, what what are some things that maybe are some themes that you've dealt with that maybe have solvable solutions mm-hmm. if x would happen or if y would happen and right. we can kind of talk about that is that too broad for you no 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 i think that's that's an interesting question because i mean the pandemic has been tough for everybody mm-hmm. you know and i, I don't want to say oh pastors have had it especially difficult because yeah. you know everyone has had I it think especially they have. difficult i think pastors have yeah. but i think pastors have had a unique experience yeah you know that that has been reflective of I don't know, a few lessons I think we can derive from it. And for me, it's interesting because, you know, I did a talk for Worldview early in the pandemic that was sort of a lessons of the pandemic talk back when we were thinking, oh, it's almost done. It's almost you know, over. We better, you know, like three months learn in some or lessons before this is done and yeah. everybody forgets about it. <laughs> and what was fascinating to me was to realize that uh, the way I thought it would go down was very different. Mm-hmm. from from how things actually developed. So I think we all know f- from just a common sense standpoint that you cannot expect human beings to navigate an unprecedented situation well, mm-hmm. right? So sure. I think going into it, everybody understood, well, we're going to make a lot of mistakes and it's going to be necessary to extend a lot of grace to one another. We knew that. But we quickly forgot. Mm-hmm. And the combination of, I think, two factors made it really interesting. So the nature of COVID 
because it was not like Ebola, for example, or the Black Death, where there was like a very quick and unambiguous threat to everybody, mm-hmm. it was difficult to maintain any kind of sense of, of unity in terms of response, because people's responses really depended on how at risk they were, uh, how dangerous they thought the situation was in the first place. There was a, a, you know, you could do nothing and everything was fine. And so that would reinforce your sense that you didn't need to be too concerned. But the, another person might do the same thing and the results are catastrophic. Right. And so everyone around you is having different experiences and they're learning different lessons from them. And then you add on top of that the fact that, that we didn't get to do just one crisis at a time, mm-hmm. right? So we had the pandemic and all of that upheaval and all of the questions that raised. And then we added all these other crises on top. And so people yeah. became increasingly polarized. The unity that we felt at the beginning uh, quickly frayed. Pastors, I think, faced a unique challenge because, in theory, a pastor understands that you've got a diverse group of people in your congregation, that they have all, in Christ, been called to love one another, to bear with one another, to put others ahead of self. And all of those ideas were put to the test. Yeah. Yeah. And it was encouraging on the one hand to see people who were called to uh, you know use discernment and and apply the teachings of Christ in situations where it wasn't all clear cut it wasn't obvious what the right thing to do was but people who found a way to bear with one another and to uh keep loving people yeah even when they disagreed with them yeah on the other hand though it was really discouraging to see that that as with any test, not everyone passes. Sure. Right. And, and a lot of this season of testing has kind of shown us our shortcomings and our weaknesses. Sure. You know, so pastors, I think now are very conscious of their own shortcomings and weaknesses, the ways that they've failed to form their congregations, to equip them, to react in biblical and Christ-like ways. We're also conscious of just, you know, relationships that, that uh, seem solid and were broken. Yeah. And also, I, th- I think um, probably, probably the, the, the strangest part, I think, is that you've got this reorientation of priorities where people who, pre-pandemic, you would have said, for, for this person... Christ comes first. And now you look and you think, you know, I think politics come first. Sure. Even though the politics are christened, you know, and, and we tell ourselves our politics are just what Jesus would do if he were here. From the outside, you see a lot of people who seem to be justifying their politics with their faith and not the other way around. And, and I always say, we've talked about this as a congregation that obviously all of life should be approached through the lens of scripture approached in a Christ-like way. And so, you know, politics is good, 
government is, is a God-ordained institution, and we need to do government well. And so there's a place for thinking about politics, but it should be in its place. True. You know, and, it's, and that place isn't the center where Christ belongs. And so I think that's been a big challenge to, to try to figure out how to keep things that have come to occupy the center, even in the lives of Christians, to keep them where they belong so that Christ can be at the center again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's been kind of my... I guess my two cents on sort of like like the the lessons we're learning. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine who's a pastor, and just like probably a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago, and just being able to listen to some of his experiences and trying to think through how do we approach people who've left our church over the way we've dealt with this. Yeah. Um, and really desiring unity and and. Like truly being sad that members of the church have left um, over something that he had considered as well and felt like he's not willing to break fellowship mm-hmm. over, for example, like mask mandates. He's yeah. not willing to break fellowship with his church over this, Yeah. Um, whereas other people were. And like trying to, I could just kind of hear him, him kind of talking through this, like trying to reconcile, um, trying to reconcile what should be the unity of the body of Christ with the, I think the practical application of, of um, I, don't, I don't know the way to say it, like the practical application of politics, mm-hmm. not necessarily from the pulpit, but just the practical application in terms of like mandates in states mm-hmm. and the practical application of are we going to enforce these things or not, or are we going to trying to, are we going to try to mainly serve the older people in our congregation or mainly serve, you know, the ones who aren't as much at risk. Yeah. No, so so that's, yeah, I mean, you raise a lot of good points. And I think, like, I don't want to say, like, there there are no right answers or no wrong answers. And that was going to be my question, right? I think that there are. Yeah. But in order to figure out what those are, as worldview people, I think we're going to say we need to get down, you know, underneath the foundations and and do some thinking. And so it's... uh, we want to come th- back to that here in a minute. Yeah, yeah. 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 One of the things that that I heard a lot of, especially early on, and and it struck me as like, hey, we need to do some worldview thinking about this. Is that idea of like you're saying, you know, who's at risk, and do we need to cater to the people who are at risk, or do we cater to the people who are not? Um, not that we necessarily can say clearly who is and who isn't, but um, I had a lot of conversations with people that sounded something like this, like it doesn't make sense for me to have to sacrifice when I'm not at risk. If they are concerned, they can stay home. Right. And when I listened to that, I thought, no, I've heard this argument before, but it's not one that I'm accustomed to hearing from Christians, mm-hmm. it's kind of a survival of the fittest thing. Yeah. Right? It's it's the strong, you know, should be the ones who, who we take into account, not the weak. Sure. And so thinking pastorally in this way, that was actually a, a tension because you could see in the unity of the body that there was this this 
triage going on yeah. where we're trying to think through, like, who do we have to sacrifice for and how much do we have to sacrifice? Yeah. Because um, um, yeah. to, to, to flip the coin just yeah. a little bit, there's the yeah. other side of saying, like, for that person, like, legitimately saying, well, maybe I'm concerned with my family being in quarantine for X amount of time. Right. And coming to, coming to like, if we're going to, like, kind of set it up this way, right? Are we going to preserve the unity of the church in terms of the church meeting, like mm-hmm. physically meeting, um, or are we going to preserve it in terms of um, meeting but not worrying about mandates so that people can actually fellowship? Because right. I know there were some there were some churches here where it was like, no, look, we're going to meet physically and fellowship is going to be a really important thing during this time of quarantine because people feel lonely, depressed, have mental health issues, so right. we're going to try to combat that. And on the other side, there's the church that says, we're going to try to meet physically, and that's going to be the rock that we stand upon, but we're going to try to protect as many people as we can. So you go to church, and it would feel odd because you were meeting physically, and that was great, but everybody's wearing wearing a mask, which is like, you're doing that everywhere. Mm -hmm. But the odd part was, as soon as church finished, it was like, okay, everybody, we need you to leave right now Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we can't have you mixing. Right. So it's just this... There was this really clear tension of these, right. these kind of. It's like, where are we going to? Like, what is going to be the, the first principles that yes. we stand upon? And, here? and I think again, that's why I say this particular pandemic is like the perfect storm because, yeah. okay, if it was Ebola, like if it sure. was, if you it know, was the Black more, Death, right? Like you wouldn't more be saying, consequential. You know, this is making a qualitative impact on family life, right? So. You'd be saying, well, we don't want to die. You know, yeah. we don't want to have bleeding pustules, you know, and that right. sort of thing. And so right. I think that's that's why, like, this, I mean, it feels like engineered to, to just really twist us because mm-hmm. if you're honest with yourself, you can look at people who navigated this the opposite of the way that you did and extending a little bit of grace, you can see their point. Sure. Right, and you can understand. Yes, like I was concerned about this and willing to sacrifice this. They were concerned about that and willing to sacrifice that. And I think that's that's the realization I, I want people to hold on to because this isn't going to last forever. And I feel like as a pastor, I want it to be easy for people who are estranged to be reconciled. And if we tell ourselves, "I'm going to be forgiving." I am not going to hold against people the fact that they made different choices than I did. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, and I'm going to assume that they attempted as best as they could to navigate this faithfully, even if that means turning a blind eye to evidence to the contrary. Sure. Um, And if they extend to you that same charity, I think we all will have emerged having learned something. Yeah. The alternative is we're just splintered. Yeah. And I think that's the, like talking about my, my friend who's the pastor, like, I think that's the, the tension that he's feeling now is the idea of, of being splintered, right? It's like, well, this family who's been a part of our church for a long time is now left and gone somewhere else. And like, we feel that as a congregation, Right. right? We feel that as a congregation. And so, is there a reconciliation that can take place, even if they decide not to come back, mm-hmm. right? Because I think that is the, that's the, it, like, I think that is the, um, 
it is a humbling thing, right? To, as I think as a pastor to say to, to go to someone and say, hey, you left. Yeah. Um, and it's a fine line to walk between being accusatory versus trying to say, hey, I just want to tell you, like, we really miss you. We, um, is there, you know, why did you leave? What was, what was it that we missed? Um, and we really wish, you know, we wish you'd come back, but we're also understanding if you decide not to, right? Right. And I don't know, I guess that's what reconciliation looks like. I don't know. I think that's a really difficult thing for sure. Yeah. And I think it's, it's going to be a, a thing that we flesh out going forward because that yeah. is the question before us. Um, if you study church history, you know, you can go back and you see different denominations and, you go back to the Amer- America in the 1800s and you realize, okay, this denomination and that denomination used to be the same, but they split at the time of the Civil War over slavery. Mm. And I look at that and I think, well, okay, slavery, that's, I, I can see splitting over something like that as long as you're on the right side of it. But, uh, but now they're going to look, look back at our history and say, well, what did they split over? Well, they split over social distancing. Yeah. They split over masks. It's like, really? Like, not even musical style? Right. You know, it wasn't even that. So yeah. I, I think that that's, that's uh, I don't know. Like, like, I don't look back on this period and look at my decisions as a pastor and what we've done as a church and say, we did it right, and everybody who did it differently got it wrong. Now, I recognize that there are people who I respect, churches that, that I admire, who did things differently than we did. And, and even did things that, that I look at and I think, I can't understand how you could justify that. But I feel like I must maintain my love and respect for the people I loved and respected before this, mm. right? And, sure. and extend that charity. And I hope they're doing the same for me and thinking, even though you know Bertrand did things I can't justify, sure. I'm going to just assume you know that he is still the guy that I knew before all of this. And yeah. so... Again, charity, mm-hmm. right? And and if if we can't do that for one another, then they literally do not know we are Christians by our love mm. for one another, right? Sure. I mean, yeah. and so, I mean, I think we're 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 duty bound by our unity in Christ to practice unity even in, in divisive times. And so, what I've tried to do as a pastor is is encourage that um, where we've talked about. You know, you know, so and so left our church or whatever. I've always tried to say, and let's make it easy for them to come back. Sure. You know, or yeah. You know, let's maintain relationships regardless. Like you say, you know, it, it's not. We're not. We're not keeping score right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we're putting the scorebook away for the foreseeable future. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that seems like it's a good place to end for the evening. So, thanks for those thoughts. I know it has been a. Uh, I do, like I said earlier, I do think it's been a harder time for pastors, especially. So, um, thanks for being in the position that you're in. Thanks for being here this week. Yeah, I appreciate it. And for joining us on the podcast. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks again so much for listening. For more information about our Worldview Academy summer camps, you can go to worldview.org. And for more information about our two-semester bridge year program for college freshman students, you can go to worldviewbridgeyear.com. Have a great week. We'll see you soon.